This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hey everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lolly Erikoglu. Hi. And this morning, because we're recording in the morning for once, we are joined by Megan Sparrell, our community editor. Hello. And our associate editor for City Guides, Betsy Blumenthal. Hello. So this week, we kind of wanted to circle back on a bunch of different episodes that we've done in the past where this has come up and some questions that have popped up in our Facebook group, which is that, you know, we talk about how awesome solo travel is all the time, and it is. It is so great. But there are so many times that you don't see on social media and that we don't talk about where you do feel a little less excited to be alone when you're on the road. So we kind of wanted to just go through how we kind of deal with being lonely. Yeah. 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 Being sometimes when you're traveling by yourself, it is going to be lonely. And Especially like, when things don't go the way you plan. Exactly. And I feel like the reality of being a solo traveler is like recognizing that those times happen and having the tools, the traveler <laughs> tools to be able to get out your toolkit. Uh, exactly. <laughs> to kind of overcome it and get yourself out there or have a really great day in your hotel room. So I kind of wanted to run through everyone's first solo trip, if you can remember it. I went to Italy. It was like a 50-50 solo trip, hang out with my brother trip, in that the first five days I was on my own in Genoa and in Cinque Terre, and then I went and met my brother in Florence and then flew back to the States. And my, like... First night was probably like the worst case of lonely solo traveler (laughs) because I got in really late, checked into my hostel, was like, okay, I'm so hungry. I did not eat anything on the plane. Where do I go for dinner? And at that point, I was so overwhelmed by the options. And this is so embarrassing. But I went to Italy. And I was just like... (laughs) In Italy. (laughs) In Italy. Um... And it made me feel good that there were a lot of Italians there, so I feel <laughs> less terrible. It's not McDonald's. Right, yeah, exactly. So I, also, I have opinions on McDonald's in every country, but we'll come back <laughs> yeah. to it. I like, was wandering through Italy trying to figure out like which station I wanted to eat at, and no one was making eye contact with me. And I am Southern, and so I come <laughs> from a place where you make eye contact and then you're like okay I can speak to you and this will be fine (laughs) Um, I clearly don't speak any Italian Um, so I was like looking around looking around and I I ended up like in the pasta aisle crying being like 
so I think I was like overtired. <laughs> I was so stressed out. I hadn't clearly not planned enough for this trip. <laughs> and someone came up to me and was like, do you need food? I was like, oh. yeah, yeah, I do. And I had a great dinner sitting outside reading my book and the person who came up to me was like a waiter at one of the stations and oh. <laughs> clearly seen me having um, a moment of distress. And literally that kind of like set the stage for me to be like, okay, be more outgoing and like less people are going to help you if you're crying but if you go to someone and say <laughs> hi i need help like they'll also clearly help you, just like <laughs> warning sign above my head like I'm just emitting yeah. sparks um but megan you actually you have a prop today <laughs> but is that your is is this photo that you have from your <laughs> from your first solo trip it's my first big solo trip, which I think I've spoken about on a previous Women Who Travel podcast episode. My first really big solo trip was going from Rio de Janeiro to Lima, Peru by land, which took like a little over a month. And I did that by myself. And from that trip, I've brought a photo of something I'm sure we'll get to. This <laughs> my one of my, you know, low moments between the highs of being like, I'm doing this, I'm by myself, I've, I'm crossing all these countries on my own, was I'm um, getting to the salt flats in Bolivia which I'd been so excited for. You know, I wanted to take those really cheesy photos where you're, you know, they like will lay a Pringle can and then you're all jumping on it. But because of the salt flats, it looks like I, funny. I the perspective like the, of the photo is so cool because the salt flat is so continuously white that if you put something really close to the foreground and put yourself super far in the back, it looks like the toy dinosaur is eating you because it's so close <laughs> to the camera and you're so far that away. That is a wonderful description of what I was getting at. Thank you. I also just want to clarify that we had a big work party last night. <laughs> <laughs> and it's morning and there are many beverages on this podcast table. Lots of waters, lots of coffee. Water, kombucha, iced coffee. All of it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I was very lonely um, that day because when it, when I signed up for my tour where I was going to go and the way they sell these tours, they're like, so we have the photo with the dinosaur. We have the photo with you guys jumping on the bananas, riding the banana boat. We have the photo on the Pringle can. Like you can bring your own alcohol bottle and you could be jumping on that. And I was like, who am I going to take these photos with? It's just me. And that made me feel actually really sad for myself. And then I got on my tour and there was this like I was the only person alone and there was a group of six South Koreans who were with me and the prop that I've brought is a photo of me and all of them on the banana just with just our stand, final product picture. On a banana. We're kind of, banana. We were doing a Gangnam style pose on top of the banana. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, that was my low, low moment turned around. We'll share it on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy, Ooh. how was your first solo trip? Um, my first solo trip was super extended. I studied abroad in Paris for four months when I was in college, and it was my first trip to Europe. And I just remember being on the plane and like, I hate to say this, but characteristically, like, no, again, nobody would make eye contact with me. I was like so excited. I was like, what? I, I think I was 20 years old, verging on 21. And I was like, oh my God, is everybody not so excited? Like, we're going <laughs> to Paris. Hello. Um, and fortunately, I had this really hot French guy, sorry, Mike, sitting next to me who uh, deigned to chat with me the whole way there. I don't remember his name, but I do remember maybe like midway through the trip, it had to be like three o'clock in the morning. Someone turned around and was like, excuse me, can you please stop talking? And I was like, oh, no, sorry. I also paid for this seat. 
You know, it was really hard. I lived in a homestay. There was a girl who also lived in my homestay with me, but we didn't become close until probably about a month into my semester sojourn. And there were just definitely extended, prolonged periods of loneliness. I didn't I didn't know anyone there. I mean, I speak French, but it's very difficult to ingratiate yourself with the French. They're very closed in society. And it's not like if you go out and you're super gregarious, people are going to be like, <laughs> did you take your meds this morning? <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it was it was really hard. I, you know, I didn't make very close friends until probably like halfway three quarters of the way into my trip. And there were lots of days I remember of just sitting in my room and looking at pictures of people back home. Um, and then there were days that I had to just force myself to get up and go to whatever museum I hadn't checked off my list that day. But, you know, it, I mean, it was great, but it can also be hard because those are things you want to talk about with people. You go to exhibits and you go to shows and whatever, and you want to say to someone like, wasn't that great? Like, wasn't that amazing? And I just remember going to the Museum of Medieval Art and there was this like giant Harry Potter style chessboard and I like really wanted to take a picture and also I you know I was very self-conscious of being an American in France because we if you've spent any time there and you get on the metro or you're in any public place within the first 15 seconds you will be able to clearly identify who's American and who is not simply by the volume at which you are speaking <laughs> yeah, you don't really do yourself any favors <laughs> no not at all and I remember actually that on the second day of my trip there I went to Versailles with the people from my program and this wonderful girl, Evie Sue, uh, who I think was from like Alabama or something. She spoke really loudly, whatever. And she was the first person in my group to get pickpocketed. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it was hard. And I am a gregarious person by nature. So to feel like I just couldn't be very, um, very open with people or go up and, you know, introduce myself or whatever was very hard. But I think it also teaches you to be really dependent on yourself, which I appreciated. And I think also those four months taught me um, really more than ever before to appreciate my own company, which I think when you're that age is really important to figure out how to enjoy spending time with yourself and by yourself. I think that's so true. And you know, it's interesting because we're sort of talking about two very different types of solo trips in that there's the going for a week, two weeks, like you did Meredith to Italy. And then there's actually moving to a place for a few months mm -hmm. and like settling in that one place and when you're on your own for a week or two weeks it it's quite like a novelty <laughs> even when you do have those um tougher moments but when you're you know once the first like sort of month goes by when you're in a new place um like I had in New York you're like oh I don't actually have any friends here that I can just mm -hmm. call up and say what are you doing do you want to meet up now that dynamic mm -hmm. doesn't exist and you Betsy, you put it really well, like you have to learn to become really comfortable with your own company. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like the best lesson I've learned. Um, and I, th I think through travel has been like learning to actually just like enjoy being by myself. Totally. And to like feel good about it mm -hmm. because it is very enjoyable. But um, I also almost had a mental breakdown over food <laughs> quite recently when I went to Japan for work and I had the first evening completely to myself and was in Kyoto. I'd never been to Japan, I was over the moon to be there. I was mm -hmm. so excited. Like walking around there, like felt like I was high. Like it was just so <laughs> surreal and magical. It was cherry blossom season. And I and I decided I was super jet lagged and I decided I was gonna go and, you know, 
get dinner and someone back at the traveler office had recommended a restaurant to me so I was like perfect I'll figure out where it is mm -hmm. that took ages um and go there <laughs> and it was packed I went in there was like no one at the door um so I was sort of dithering and then the chef that was in sort of the center of the restaurant just started yelling at me in Japanese. And I was like, uh, oh uh, like table for one. <laughs> and he just kept yelling back at me. And then finally this very obnoxious middle-aged American man oh just yelled, there aren't any tables for you, darling. And I was just like, oh, and like everyone in the restaurant looked around and I was oh like, my God. I was like, thanks for shattering the magic. <laughs> so oh then I went, on, I went on this like sad, lonely track <laughs> around Kyoto trying to find somewhere to get dinner. And like, <sighs> because I didn't know how anything worked. I didn't realize that you actually, in, at least in Kyoto, you, a lot of places you need to make a reservation in advance. <laughs> so like no one had, nowhere had any tables. And I was so being so stubborn. I was like, I'm not going anywhere that has an English menu. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go to that place. <laughs> of course, it's Japan. So all the food's fantastic. So in the end, I gave in. And it was still this like very special, very Japanese restaurant that just happened to have two sets of menus. And I had a wonderful meal by myself. Got screamed at immediately because I forgot to take my shoes off. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Every, yeah, it was uh, just a... A series of calamities. But, you know, it worked out in the end and I had a great dinner. But there was that hour of panic where I was like, do I just go back to my hotel and like order room service and like give what up? What is it about the noodles with you guys? <laughs> um, I just have this like running loop imagining you like walking around to the sounds of silence. And, you know, <laughs> it really <laughs> felt that way. Walking slowly. Well, that eating alone, I think, is something that people talk about in the Facebook group all the time as being one of the barriers to feeling like it's going to be so awkward and weird we um jen from the group had posted that she was thinking about going on her first solo trip and she was asking where everyone had been for their first solo trip and then she said well i feel awkward just sitting at a restaurant by myself and i think one of the best answers was that being alone is odd at first but it's exhilarating and empowering just remind yourself when you're feeling uncomfortable you'll likely never see these people again <laughs> um, which i think is like the nice thing to remind yourself that like when you're walking around a museum by yourself and it feels right. uncomfortable or you're sitting at a restaurant and you're like oh my god everyone's staring at me like no no one cares like, when was the last cares. time you noticed someone else at is a restaurant like, why, why are they when, alone when has anyone here gone to a restaurant and then just stared at the person <laughs> eating alone i thought well, that's a bit odd isn't it <laughs> and i think that a lot of times it seems like something that's so intimidating or at least it did to me because I come from a you know family where we do everything <laughs> together so when I came to New York and I was like making friends and doing all that kind of stuff another you know you were saying that your move to New York felt like a solo trip and kind of the same for me but just forever solo trip. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't intend it that way. Um, you here. moved. I think that's what they call it. <laughs> no, but I think that like the starter for that is you can do that in your own city. Mm -hmm. Like you can go to a museum by yourself. You can it feels go harder at home though, doesn't it? Like if you're not used to doing that, don't you? Right. It's more intimidating to eat alone when you're at home. Whereas when you're on a trip, you're like, oh, I got to. Like, yeah, that's fair. But I feel yeah. like it's like the training wheels, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like going to a movie by yourself oh, or like I'd going to, I love freaking it. love going to movies you know by what? myself. So I love eating alone yeah. in a restaurant. I do it like really quite regularly. I've never seen a movie by myself. What? I've never seen a movie by what? myself either. I, Guys, I, I was going to be like, we should do it together. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 we should go <laughs> at the same time in purpose. different theaters and yeah. talk about it after. <laughs> I saw Call Me By Your Name by myself <laughs> over our winter break and it was like a matinee and I was like, <laughs> it was one of those moments where you're like, 
you know, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Please tell me you're not going to see A Star Is Born Alone this week. Oh, yeah. Actually, I thought about seeing the 9.15 a.m. show tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's quite fun, I will say. I, I had to tell the people in front of me to shut up and call me by your name because Timothy Chalamet's greatness was being eclipsed. I was going to say, no one, should, no one should be talking about that. No. Talking during that. No. But also when I went to see it, I know this has nothing to do with that topic, but um, at the end, which if anyone who has seen that film knows, it's like incredibly emotional and incredibly sad. Oh, yeah. And... Um, I was shook, and, um, and the lights came up, and these two guys next to me were like, oh, was, they were like, oh, it's all right. <gasps> That's so sad. Like dead inside. I just, <laughs> dead yeah, inside. I, don't, I just feel like being alone sometimes lets you feel things that you could not register when you are with someone else or having to entertain someone else or having to just be in constant conversation with someone else. You can really just sit with your thoughts, which well, I appreciate. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, you, have you ever noticed that you are you go somewhere to have this meal you really want and you're talking to a really good friend and you get so caught up in talking that you finish the meal and you realize you never tasted it? Like, you didn't notice oh, that you even the ate worst, it? Yeah. It happens to me all the time. And it's like, you I know, love- no, you know what the worst is? When someone's like, I'm not that hungry. Should we just share a few things? <laughs> oh, my God. That is actually people? the worst. Yeah. <laughs> don't, go to, don't go to meals with those people. But, you know, and then when you're alone, you're like, wow, I'm really experiencing every bit of this and noticing, like, the people in the restaurant and especially when you're somewhere new you're able to like kind of turn on the rest of your senses because you're not mm-hmm. focused on another person which totally. is re- i don't know also i mean my kyoto experience um as the exception but if when you're al- alone and when you're traveling it actually is an amazing way to experience like very popular restaurants um oh, that totally. you might not be able to do if you were with a group yes. um you know you can go for lunch there and sit at the bar mm-hmm. places always usually try and squeeze you in if you're by yourself and like yeah even in New York, there's been restaurants that I've never been able to get a table at if I've been with friends, but I've actually managed to eat at when I've been by myself. And you get to really enjoy the food and not share it. So true. Do you guys bring props? I do. Not the photo that Megan brought, <laughs> but do. do you like books or your phone or like things to I always do? Bring books. Yeah. But I, I bring books with me everywhere. Like I can't be on the like subway Rory without Gilmore. reading my <laughs> Just it. like Rory Gilmore. Um, it's kind of, they're my props for wherever I am by yeah. myself. Um, I actually really try and make an effort to, if I'm eating by myself, for example, like to not look at my phone mm-hmm. because it's so like draining. It's a sunken place. It is. It's a, you know, my, yeah, it's a <laughs> terrible place. And I think it just like makes, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel sad when I, ex- yeah. when I am staring at someone else who's eating alone in the restaurant and they're just scrolling through their phone the whole time. And I feel like that detracts from the experience more than if you have a book. But You're then I don't ex- think they're like it. trying to enjoy eating by themselves. I think they're trying to waste time until they are no longer eating by themselves. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, just to get through like, it. They're trying to Just like, to make it through. You got to see what Jeremy's doing at the beach today. <laughs> <laughs> that said, I was in a, yeah, I was waiting for a friend for dinner recently and my phone died and I didn't have a book and so then I was just like well I guess I just sit and, and stare and I like ordered a glass of wine and then just had to just it was, it was it was quite challenging mm-hmm. but I also think yeah. that as a solo person like it is so easy to like fade in and out of like the crowd so you can people watch oh, like yeah. nobody's business. <laughs> oh yeah. It is that's like the one joy is like you can like fully just be mm-hmm. like, what is everyone else doing <laughs> here today? Yeah. Which is so like that's so interesting at home, but especially when you're somewhere new and you're trying to pick up like on how people interact with each other and what they're wearing. And if you're somewhere cool, you have you know, getting a little fashion advice from everybody. Like it's so interesting to just take it all in that way. Yeah, I 
bring props definitely when I'm traveling by myself. I actually think some of my most distinctive memories of trips, I remember when I was in Paris, I was probably my first week there and I had this like, you go to Paris and you have this whole like starving artist thing that you're imagining for yourself and like I was quite a heavy smoker at that time and I just remember, okay, I dabble. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Heavier, okay? And I just remember completely (laughs) romanticizing. I mean, I was in Paris and so you can smoke outside whatever and I had totally romanticized you know like bringing a book and um sitting and watching people go by and whatever and it's quite common in Paris I mean my dad used to call them bleacher seats like bleacher seating in Paris because instead of people facing each other you are sitting next to one another and looking out and observing all of the passersby that's such a good way to describe it I love that (laughs) um and yeah I just my first experience, I guess, when I got there, I went to some Thai place in my neighborhood that ended up being dreadful. Um, <laughs> do not recommend. And I remember I have the Instagram post. Um, it's one of my first from Paris of me sitting at this table with my glass of white wine and my Fitzgerald. And I'm like, oh, my God, isn't this delightful? And then, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe like six minutes into that meal, I was like, oh, OK, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> um, and then I remember when I went to Italy by myself and I was sitting outside and I was trying to get into Elena Ferrante's My Brilliant Friend. I was very distracted by the pasta. So I got like three pages in and then they threw the dolls down the hole or whatever. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to eat this food and enjoy it. Major spoiler. (laughs) Major spoiler alert. Um, But yeah, I try to always bring things with me, although I do find that if I'm not at home, I end up being more taken by what is going on around me, um, unless I'm like really, really deep into Anna Karenina and I have to know like <laughs> what's going to happen, like where's the train? So many spoilers! <laughs> uh, yeah, I do think it's a good idea generally, um, but I also do agree with you, Megan, that it's sometimes really nice to just try to pick up on whatever cues you might not have picked up on already in a new place. Well, and sometimes, like, like I will bring a book sometimes, but I also like to bring a notebook because it, I feel like it mm-hmm. enables me to have those moments where I can kind of stare at the people and stare out the window and zone out and, like, reflect on the experience I'm having or the trip. But then also I have, like, a backup thing to do. But mm-hmm. it's because it's more, like... Um, productive hobby than like something where you're receiving uh, you have more input from a book or a person you're still able to kind of like take in everything a little bit more totally I will say that my prop for the most part is like my solo travel best friend which is Instagram stories and for me Instagram stories is a way to treat it like I'm enjoying it with somebody Mm -hmm. and it's really just enjoying it like with myself so when I go through museums and I'm like oh I wish I could share this with somebody yeah I'm like I don't really care if anyone looks at this <laughs> I don't really care but I'm gonna I'm, like I'm always point. watching them you know but I think that like for me it is <laughs> and it's not me sitting scrolling on my phone it's not me looking at anyone else's stories but being able to like share and save mm-hmm. the Absolutely. experience that I'm having and know that like I have had this and it is now out there totally. and that is like my way of sharing things that are happening in real time like with myself right uh, that has like totally changed the way that I travel mm. by myself um I and like I don't post on Instagram that often it's like not like anything is sticking around for very long but it's almost like literally having a conversation with me yeah I mean like digesting I, everything yeah I, it's interesting that I I think I've I've reached the point where I like truly enjoy my own company because now there are times if I am traveling alone 
and I'm sitting at a bar in a restaurant, I will usually always try and sit at the bar if I'm by myself, which mm-hmm. I know we've talked on this podcast before. It's like... Always sit at the bar. Always sit at the bar. Elwood. <laughs> yeah. Yes, an always, Elwood special. Always sit at the bar. Um, is when someone tries to talk to you. Oh, and no. you're just like, you're having your night. And you have your wine and your food and your book or your phone. And usually a man. Suddenly, just like wants to just like <laughs> don't want to name any names. <laughs> just like wants to suddenly talk to you, and it's like read the fucking room seriously. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah. and for the people who are nervous to eat alone for the first time, like people probably will talk to you at some point, especially if you're at a bar. So when you're not ready to be fully alone, mm-hmm. like it'll happen. And then when you are really wanting to be in your own company, you can shoo them away. Well, and I would also say, I think that where you stay, like beyond just eating out, cause I know we talk about that all the time, but I think where you stay, like definitely impacts you talking to people and having mm-hmm. an outlet for that, mm-hmm. like loneliness, mm-hmm. because another person who responded to Jen's Facebook post had said to stay in a hostel. And I think that that's a really good, idea and a starting point but that's not necessarily like everyone's ideal scenario to stay in a hostel um, especially if you are an older traveler or somebody who wants something a little more luxe but I think there are so many hotels now that like prioritize community in the same way that hostels Mm -hmm. do like the ace where you know the lobby's always going to be hopping they're going to be people around spaces the freehand the you know generator if you want a fancy hostel but I think that there are places all over. Fancy it is not, my friend. (laughs) Okay, upscale. (laughs) An upscale hostel. But I I think that, you know, there's a way to do that hostel mentality of like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to meet people who are staying at the same place I am and we can go out together or we can go to dinner or we can just why they have somebody to talk to is a great way to think about like not staying alone in an Airbnb mm-hmm. and not staying alone in a hotel where you're not going to meet anyone, mm-hmm. maybe not even the staff. I think that's like huge in planning a solo trip. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, the fact that there has been this sort of surge of hotels and upscale hostels <laughs> like that is super interesting because I think it shows that more and more people are traveling alone and not just traveling alone for work. It's, you know, people are traveling alone for pleasure more and more and it's a normal thing. Mm -hmm. And especially it's not unusual for women to travel alone anymore. And it was for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was reading, I've bought up before just because I really, really loved this Emily Witt article um, that she wrote for the New York Times a few years ago about Simone de Beauvoir's love of hiking. And she would, in the 1930s, would hike alone in the Alps. Mm -hmm. And this piece by Emily Witt like talks a lot about the stares that de Beauvoir would get mm-hmm. and people's concern for how she was. And then Emily Witt traced the same hiking route in 2016 and mm-hmm. did the same thing. And, she, you know, she did have the sort of so-called like concerned travelers, are, you know, asking why she was doing it alone, but it was a lot less and it was a very different experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I just think it's amazing that yeah. so many people are doing it by themselves. And the other thing actually I wanted to ask was, do you stay in Airbnbs by yourself? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think that staying in an Airbnb like room mm-hmm. versus like a, yes. a like a like a full home has changed. Like that was what I was doing in Italy when I stayed that first night in Genoa in a hostel, and then the rest of the time I stayed in a private room that I had my own bathroom. I had like access to the kitchen in this guy's house in a town like just north of Cinque Terre, and like. You know, his sister lived next door. We had breakfast together. Mm -hmm. 
I had like a lock on my door. Like I never felt unsafe at all, but I think it changed the way I was there because I could wake up in the morning, say, hey, like I want to get coffee or I want to go for a walk. Like where should I go? Because I really didn't plan this trip ahead of time. Um, <laughs> and so it was a huge benefit to me to be able to one, have another woman say, okay, you should go here. Or like, it, you know, it's like, you know, the sun's not up yet. So why don't you take this route or like whatever it was. You should have someone who lived there and who like is looking, you know, has the same safety concerns that I do on a daily basis um, to be able to tell me like, okay, you should go do this. Or like, this is a really great restaurant to go and eat out alone or like whatever it was. Mm -hmm. That was a huge help. Yeah. Well, and I think I was going to say the same. Like I love even sometimes with I'm like, like my boyfriend and I have traveled places like Mexico City and we've chosen to stay in a room instead of our own apartment because we want to like have someone we can ask for Rex and learn more about the city through their eyes. And I think like it just adds a lot to the experience. And by mm -hmm. reading reviews of the host, you can tell like some people are really eager to do that. Like some people want to maybe get a drink at one point if you're up for it or they want to be there when you arrive and tell you about the city. And you can quickly gauge like people's interest in that. And some people don't want to, but mm -hmm. you can find people who are excited to like meet travelers in their city. And those people yeah. are great resources and, and really comforting. I would say it also goes the other way around because I talked to a bunch of Airbnb super hosts, which is like you have a certain level of you're a 4.8 rating consistently and you never cancel. And so many of them talked about like also reading it the other way where like they'll have a guest show up and be like, OK, I'm going to like put myself in the common mm -hmm. spaces and I'm going to like, you know, talk to them, see how they feel. And if they want to talk like I am there for it. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm inviting somebody in, into my home and I want them to feel comfortable and yeah. they are clearly interesting because they're staying in my home. Yeah. Um, and I think that that relation, I think it goes both ways. Like they are welcoming you because they want you to be there. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, I so I'm thinking about the trip that I took to, the infamous trip to Italy that I took, <laughs> my 10-day trip um, that I planned at the very last minute, which I think I've talked about pretty extensively on Travelogue. Note, this is not another plug for Viator, but I can <laughs> totally make it one if you guys are interested. Um, I really had, like, I have never thought about getting a room in an apartment uh, of an Airbnb. I think it's something that I would like to do in the future but for whatever reason it is not something that has historically appealed to me in the past but on this trip I had like the full range of experiences so my first night when I was in Rome I stayed at the generator Rome which was totally fine it was great and it and was for people that aren't familiar with generator again it's that it's yeah. that upscale type of ho yeah. hostel it's like mm. somewhere between a hostel and a hotel and it was fine it wasn't in the best location in town so I didn't feel totally um, central to everything that I might have wanted to be close to. And I guess I want to lift something from another podcast that I listened to called Unorthodox, where um, they had a guest on who talked about like the Daniels, like not a Danielle, but like a DZ Danielle. And that's who was staying at this hostel. Um, so I didn't really feel like talking to anybody. I kind of just like donned my headphones and was like, goodbye, cruel world. Um, These girls are also probably woo girls. Who I love with what every... What is that? What is a woo girl? Woo! 
Yeah. Oh, just yes. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a really there rough were a lot of um, A lot of Gene Rachel in here. I don't know. Rico uh, is the opposite of Betsy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, I am dark. I am a dark soul. Um, and then uh, the rest of my time in Rome, this was a very last minute trip, so I was kind of moving around a lot. And then the rest of my time in Rome, I had this Airbnb that was more centrally located that I really loved. The host was really nice. Um, and when I got there, he like pulled out his trusty paper map and circled a bunch of things that I should see that I probably knocked off like 25 percent of and then when I went to Tuscany right before I went to Florence I stayed in an agriturismo which is basically like I don't know it's you mostly have couples there it's like mostly for people who are honeymooning or going on like romantic vacations and I was there solo dolo um and I ended up making friends with this really lovely German couple from Hamburg who I like still follow on Instagram yeah, and then when I finally got to Florence, I was in an Airbnb again. So, I mean, I have had the full range of experiences, and I really enjoyed all of them. I think it was really nice to balance it out, staying at the Agriturismo, because there were, like, 15 other people there, mostly, like, really lovely, charming Brits, I will say, who I, like, would see at the train station, and they'd be like, so, what are you doing today? And I'd be like, I'm leaving. Um uh, yeah, that's a perfectly British <laughs> response. They wouldn't have thought anything odd about your yeah, yeah. <laughs> your lack of interest. <laughs> no, yeah, one, no. no one really wants to talk to each other. <laughs> they were super, super friendly, but I think it was really nice and also crucially important to balance it out by staying someplace where there were more people and more than just myself because I think I hit um, a juncture during my trip where I was like, I really want to be around people and I kind of meted that out with a lot of tours that I signed up for and dinners that I did with larger groups of people but I you know I mean also just for some context I took this trip and planned everything last minute and it was two weeks after my father died and I was like you know I really want some time to center myself and figure out just like what the fuck is going on and then I hit a certain point where I was like okay I'm ready to be around people again gotta do this and it was terrific so yeah, I mean, I would say just figure out what it is that you need and plan around that. Do you think if you hadn't traveled alone before, do you think you would have got the same out of that trip if it had been your first solo trip? Or do you think it would have still helped you? Or do you think it would have hindered you when you were, you know, processing so much? Um, you know, I think having spent so much time alone in Paris by myself and that, I mean, that was such a hard I think that's such a hard time in a lot of people's lives and it was a hard time in my life and it was, a, you know, really difficult to be there for as long as I was, you know, by myself. And I think that having that experience really prepared me. There was a lot of time between those two trips, but I think it really prepared me for like what kinds of feelings come up and what to expect and how to kind of like turn your trip around when you see that you're like, again, going into the sunken place. And you can kind of recognize that, uh, you know, because hindsight is twenty twenty. So when I would feel myself getting lonely, I'd be like, okay, what can I do to fix this? Um, and for me, really, the answer was just booking up my time with a lot of tours so that I got to cover a lot of ground in the places where I was and also not be alone the entire time. Because for almost, I would say, 97% of my meals, I was by myself. So I think figuring out a way to strike a balance that works for you is probably the most important thing. I will also say that one of the suggestions that Jen Gra I'm just going to keep reading off of this Facebook post because it's so much good advice. But this woman named Pam said that she had taken a Viking River cruise and that she didn't know anyone when she went. But because of the way cruises, those small mm -hmm. river cruises are set up, yeah. you're going to meet a bunch of people at dinner. You might even have assigned seats, so you don't even have to worry about who you're eating with. You can zip off on your own or you can go on the group tour 
you always know where you're staying is going to be safe because you're going to be staying back on the cruise. And she said that after a couple of days, she found that she actually needed time to herself because this, <laughs> <laughs> this solo trip had turned into her making so many friends, which I think, again, like if you're dipping your mm-hmm. toe into this, doing something like a small, and I'm going to reiterate, small <laughs> cruise, Intimate. because I think on a big cruise, being alone could be kind of overwhelming. But if you're on a smaller cruise with a couple hundred people, I think that that gives you kind of the best of both worlds in a lot of cases to kind of cover all of the bases that we talked about. And there are also like a lot of small group trips now where for people who aren't used to like tour groups and kind of being on a big bus and being moved around, like we all have feelings on that. But there are a lot of smaller trips too where you can go by yourself on the trip, but then there are other people there who you'll be traveling with. And I think they're like, that's an emerging trend. You can do more of that and... Well, yeah, and so the uh, that trip that I went to to Japan, once I joined up with my group, it was because I was I tagging along on a trip organized by Adventure Women. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had the founder, Judy Wineland, on mm-hmm. the podcast before, and it is aimed at female solo travelers, primarily, or couples who want to travel alone, take themselves out of their comfort zones, maybe do something a little adventurous. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I say a little adventurous. <laughs> Didn't you walk like 18 miles in two days? Well, I, so I was on the easy trip where it was just like, it was hiking, yeah, many, many miles across several days. But they also take women up Kilimanjaro. So if you want to hike Kilimanjaro and you don't have anyone who wants to do it with you, mm-hmm. you could sign up That's with awesome. Adventure Women, go there alone, but still have the sort of comfort of friends mm-hmm. when you need it mm-hmm. um, and that camaraderie that I think you need when you are doing something that, that totally. is that bit more active and that mm-hmm. bit more yeah. adventurous like you can't spontaneously like spontaneously go and climb a mountain by yourself right. well and, and I wasn't even thinking of this trip I recently did as a solo trip but I guess I went alone like I went to Colombia on a small group trip with a company called El Camino Travel and it was there were a lot of women on it, but it same thing. Like a lot of people there had shown up on their own and come from different places. No one knew each other at the start of it, but then, yeah, by the end it felt like a group trip. And I know that there's there's something fun with El Camino, which I think solves a problem that a lot of us have talked. I mean, Betsy also mentioned this earlier, but there's a photographer on the trip who will take pictures of you. Oh, that's great! Yeah. And and you that's don't even nice. have to worry. Have you, I not talked to you off about it yet, Betsy? No. Well, you don't. You don't have to worry about it. And that you know, at the end of the day, they'll send you a zip drive of oh, yeah. photos every, from everyone. Yeah, every morning you get. So they there's a a photographer um, who takes photos and their whole thing is like they're just trying to capture candid moments of the group. They also, I felt like the photographer on our trip did a really good job of making sure to, you know, like I'd be standing by a really cute door in Cartagena and she'd snap <laughs> it and get on her for that. Um, that. But then every morning at breakfast you get edited photos from the day before and it is really nice because you don't feel like you have to, you know, you're in this great place and you have no one to take a photo with. It's like, well, someone already got oh it for God. you, you so have don't like worry about it. You have like your own paparazzi. It's like I, stars. I, Megan, but, they're but just I, like us. But I think that that's the thing. Like, you don't <laughs> think about that when you're going and then you get somewhere and you're like, oh, shoot. Mm. Like, I don't have anyone to take a picture with or of me. Totally. Um, and then <laughs> you end up like me coming back with like only landscape shots yeah, or a bunch of selfies where you're like, oh, it's just for me. And then you realize it's the only photo you have of yourself <laughs> totally. on the trip. And again, with the Adventure Women, um, you know, they didn't have a photographer officially along on that trip, but they are, I know they're working on developing something similar to mm-hmm. El Camino. Um, and there was this one woman on the trip who definitely became a bit of a buddy of mine. And she, is a fantastic photographer and really focuses on photographing women. And so she would oh take 
photographs of everyone on the trip. Oh my um, God, where are these people when you need them? Yeah, <laughs> um, she was amazing. And um, shout out Megan. And um, I don't have like the really sad pictures of me trying to take of myself like on the hiking trail. Like she snapped a bunch for me and it was, it was really nice. People are nice yeah. to each other. I was gonna, that <laughs> moral Just of this a, podcast. <laughs> people are nice. Get someone to take pictures yeah. of you. No, that's true. I think there. I look. I often scroll back through my Facebook photos to be like, "What was I doing X years ago in Paris?" Whatever. And there are so few photos of me from that trip because I was so reticent about, you know like calling myself out as an American and be like, excuse me, can you take a picture of me like in on this block in front of the Louvre, like pinching the top of the pyramid? <laughs> um, I think there is actually one of those. I mean, I you hope, gotta do I it. Hope so. um, yeah, I just, what is your guys like one piece, like single piece of advice? I realize you guys are the hosts and so you should be asking this question, <laughs> but I am very curious, like what? Hmm, I think I have lots of advice. I think it's sort of like rip off the band-aid, like mm, yeah. go and talk to that person totally. and ask what restaurant you should go and eat in or ask that person to take a photo of you or make yourself go into that restaurant. It's never going to be bad, <laughs> ever. It's true. It, you know, the most they're going to do is like not be particularly helpful. Mm, That's yeah. it. No one's going to think you're weird. And if they do, like that person in the Facebook group said, you never even seen them again, yes. ever. <laughs> Definitely. They live in a different country. <laughs> I think for me, when I travel solo, I like hit the pavement hard. I've like got a Google mm -hmm. map with all these stars and I go to a neighborhood and I walk like 20 miles and then I'm like so exhausted, which is like great because I get to see everything I want to see and I get to do it exactly how I want to do mm -hmm. it, which usually means like walking all of it. But there's some days just like in real life where I am just exhausted and mm -hmm. all I want to do is just like sit in a bed that's much nicer than mine in a hotel room that's much nicer than my apartment and just like watch TV, maybe go out for like a bagel or a croissant or like what, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, Sounds a, like a cinnamon bun <laughs> yeah. and like be really okay with being with myself also just, mm -hmm. just there and like saying, okay, cool this morning I'll, you know, go do this for a couple hours and then I'm just going to hang out in my hotel room alone, which I feel like both exacerbates the loneliness <laughs> and also underscores like I'm here by myself and like I get to do whatever I right. want and if what I want is to spend these next four hours like taking a nap that's ain't nobody awesome. gonna stop watch, me exactly watch <laughs> yeah, no, which is exactly yeah. what I did no I mean last year in in London I had been running <laughs> I was on like a quasi vacation work trip and I for Traveler stayed in seven hotels over eight days oh and God. I was just <laughs> so tired and the last hotel I stayed in was like absolutely beautiful it was the curtain in Shoreditch and I was like I'm staying in all these amazing hotels I should actually be able to like enjoy being in this hotel which is like so beautiful and the service is so lovely and the tv is so huge <laughs> and so I did I just watched you know the 2017 Great British Bake Off and had a great day. I went Incredible. out for dinner. You know, I met friends later, but I just spent my day like with all the curtains open in the bathroom, <laughs> like having oh. a great time. Well, and I think also, I mean, this slightly counters my point about, you know, forcing yourself to kind of go out of your comfort zone, which is obviously incredibly important. But you're also supposed to enjoy yourself. And just doing that trip alone could be going out of your comfort zone 
for you. And, you know, everyone's a different type of traveler. Some people are more confident traveling mm -hmm. than others. And maybe all you needed to do was get on that plane by yourself. And then once you're on the ground, like, yep. you know, don't make yourself do anything that makes you feel anxious or uncomfortable. And I would also say, like, don't. I was talking earlier about how I really love posting on Instagram stories, but like, don't feel like your trip is any less because it doesn't look like somebody else's because no one saw that day like on Instagram of me sitting in my hotel room watching like that that didn't make the cut right so don't think that because other people are like having these wonderful times that your time isn't just as great oh god if you look at my Instagram I have all these um uh, pictures lovely pictures from <laughs> Athens I had dreadful food poisoning <laughs> but in between those pictures being taken I was like running to the nearest toilet so you never know what's going on oh my god What's your advice, I Megan? I would say, I, when I first traveled alone, I actually went to France as well, and I went to like on a school trip, and I was 16. I just turned 16, and it was a month-long program, and I really wanted to go. And I remember my dad being like, "You can go, but the only rule is you have to stay the whole time. Like you can't get there and hate it and come back." Because <sighs> and he was like, "So if you want to do that, then you can go, and if you're not up for that, then you know." You don't go this time. And I was like, no, I have to go to Paris. I want to go. And I went and I remember the first week crying like every single night. Being like, why did I agree to that? I want to go home. And I remember seeing like the fireworks over the Eiffel Tower on Bastille Day and being like, I hate it here. Um, which is like every, uh, yeah. you know, 16 year old stream. But pushing through it, like feeling that made it so much sweeter when I got to the end and felt like I could walk down the streets. I could order my like little croissant in French, even though people would roll their eyes at how I said it. And like, it was so much sweeter because I had gotten through the really lame part. And I think when you're having those moments where you feel kind of down, it's like, it's okay. Cause the next peak mm -hmm. will come and you feel so accomplished when you're like, wow, I started down there and now I'm here and it feels really great. And so you have to just like push through it and know that everyone else has felt that way too. Just like want to underscore this by saying that Lala is actually wearing a Paris t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This podcast brought to you by Paris. <laughs> oh, my advice? Yeah. I guess I have to give myself it's, We're going full circle. Uh, yeah. yeah. Full circle. Coming full circle. Didn't think, um, don't think that this wasn't going to come back <laughs> to you. Uh, yeah. I would say one thing I found really important is always have someone you can call. When things are really bad and you're really lonely, I feel like it has really helped to think like, okay, who can I call right now to tell me that it's going to be fine and that I just need to kind of like keep going? And often mm -hmm. for me, that person is my mom because she'll be like, it's great. You can do this. You, like as moms often do. And yeah, I think when things get like that, just remember to breathe and enjoy yourself and be like, I may never be here again. I am doing this trip. I'm doing it for me. There's nobody else I need to please. And know that you just need maybe like a shift in perspective or to do something a little differently and that it will get better. That's a beautiful place yes. to end this episode. What a message. <laughs> um, but if you want to hear about places you should go on your first solo trip, we have our very first episode, Everything You Need to Know About Solo Travel, and then another guide to your first time in Europe that also involves a lot of good places to go uh, for your first solo trip. So listen to those episodes. They're from a couple months ago. Um, and Megan and Betsy, where can people find you on the internet? 
You can find me in the Women Who Travel Facebook group. <laughs> all the where time. I am all day long. Um, you can also find me at Moderating Screlly. the shit out of life. <laughs> really yes. just laying down the law. Uh, you can find me in the sunken place. No, just kidding. Um, you can find but me actually. at <laughs> bblumenthal070 on Instagram. Um, I don't post anything exciting, but I make myself laugh. And uh, yeah, I'm a good and time. that's all that matters. Making <laughs> yourself I laugh. I DM Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Just a whole day. Yes, it's just a tribute. It's a fan page, actually. Um, yes. Hey, Timmy. <laughs> to his new haircut. Lale? Uh, yeah, you can find me at Lale Hannah on Instagram. And you can actually read a little piece I did about my trip to Japan with Adventure Women in the new issue of Traveler. Woo! Amazing. And you can find me at Oh Hey There Mare. Megan, you have one big announcement. Yes, I do. So... For Women Who Travel, the Facebook group, we've obviously been doing meetups in a bunch of different cities, and our next one is on October 24th in Denver. And I think like whether you live there and you're just looking for something to do on a Wednesday night, or you know if you're traveling alone and looking to meet people, like things like that are always great. And um, it'll be from six to nine at a location that we'll be sharing in the group. So I hope some of you can join us. Can and I be a woo girl now? <laughs> woo! <You can> be <laughs> a- <laughs> Um, if you do want to go and see Megan IRL and not just have listened to her voice before, you can join the Facebook group to get all that information um, and sign up to RSVP. Thank you guys so much. You can read a bunch of stories about women who travel at cntraveler.com uh, and you can follow us on all the social medias at cntraveler. Thanks. Do you sometimes wake up with the desire to understand the seen and the unseen forces guiding you through this life? And are you ready to begin uncovering the impacts of these forces in your day to day? Do you feel that you could use a little push, a little umph, or maybe even a little juju to be reminded of your power within your ancestors to truly understand you? Well, child, if so, it sounds like you need a little juju podcast in your life. Hey, bays! I'm your host, Juju Bay. Welcome, Aquaba, bienvenidos to the Womanist Witchy Insight Show, diving deep into the Black healing journey, pop culture juju, and the ancestral spiritual systems that can help get us free. So please come on over and join the ALJ Pod family. New episodes drop every single Wednesday, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.